time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, which that means not just physical drunkenness, but surfeiting is the results that come from it, the physical, emotional, and spiritual hangover. Uh, in the same way your body has a physical hangover to physical drunkenness, your spirit can have a hangover from being drunk on this world. Be careful that at any time, these are Christians, believers, that your heart be overcharged or overwhelmed with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Well, pastor, I don't drink no more. I don't party. I don't get high or any of that. I quit that. And with the cares of this life, make sure that you are not dominated. We take part in, but we are not dominated by the cares of this life. Why? So that the day of Christ's return does not come upon you unaware. For as a snare it shall come upon all them that dwell on the face of the earth. That's his second coming. Watch therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape. And that word escape, the Greek word means to flee out of and to vanish from. All these things that shall come to pass and that you might stand before the Son of Man. Now turn to Luke chapter 12, where you already were. You know, the Bible tells us that the Word of God is a lamp, it's a light. It's also a mirror. It, it helps us see ourselves accurately. We don't judge ourselves amongst ourselves. We don't judge ourselves by others, but by this Word. And listen to this. Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, you'll find your heart. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves be like people that are waiting for the Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, you might open unto him immediately. Blessed are the servants who the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself, and this is humbling, and make them to sit down to meet, and he will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so, which means working, active, faithful, blessed are those servants. And this remember, that if the owner of the house had known what hour a thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. In the same way, now of course Christ is not committing a crime, but in that same idea of had he known the thief was coming, he would have been ready. The word says, be ye also ready, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that's mine this morning to preach your word. And you know in my preparation, and you know in this day, I'm not only standing on the stage, but I'm sitting in the congregation. Show me my heart, Lord. Show me where I really stand with you. Show me the lateness of the hour. Help me to be drawn back to a nearness like a child to its mother's breast 
that I might be intimately connected and fully dependent upon you as my Savior. Don't let me be drunk in this last hour on this world, Lord. Lord, that was my life for many years. And this one thing I know about those that drink, they are usually more drunk than they think they are. Don't let me be drunk on this world, O oh Lord. Overcome. Let me be prepared for your return, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Nobody talking, nobody moving. What if that was it? Women, women, are you ready? Are you tethered to this world? In the same way, you know this is what we do. John reads the scripture, John prays, we sit down, we stand up. Life gets that way. And if that were it, would you be ashamed at his coming? Would you be leaving with that clarion call? I know theologians will tell you what you want to hear. Many say that all go in the rapture of the church. And their conversation is, well... The body of Christ cannot be divided, but we're divided now. Some are in heaven, some are not here. Or some of us are here. I think one of the greatest needs in the hour of the church and in this local church is to live in the expectant, anticipated, and preparedness for the Lord Jesus Christ coming for His church. We say we know it doctrinally, but we, it, it hasn't made it into our priority system. It hasn't made it into how we filter through everything that happens in our life. What Tammy said this morning, how does how I feel filter through the lens of what will this matter in eternity? How will what it cost me to follow Christ, what does it mean in light of eternity? These light and momentary afflictions that we suffer will not be worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. But there will also be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for those that thought that they were ready and were not. There's only two exits. Either He comes for you in, in the rapture of the church, Him coming for His bride, or you go to Him in death. Life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. And your pastor's conviction is that the cry of eternity for believers will be unstoppable regret. That's why he has to wipe away the tears from the eyes. Where it says he'll wipe away all the tears from their eyes, neither shall there be sorrow nor crying nor pain. It's because if he didn't for eternity, they will live in a perpetual cycle of what could have been, what should have been, and why did I waste my life spending it on myself instead of investing it in God? No, my best life ain't now. 
My best life is then. The invitation today is the invitation to come and die, not dine. And whosoever will lose his life for his sake will find it. If we took a spiritual pulse, I wonder how many of us would still be sitting here if that was the call of the Lord to come home. Pastor John, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to sober you. That in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Are you ready? Are your bags packed? If there's anything between you and God, it is between you and God. I want to talk to you about two things this morning. And I hope it sobers you. Like throwing the drunk guy that comes to your house in the shower and putting coffee in front of him to sober you. Um, I had a car wreck this last week. I was coming under the bridge at Pierce Avenue, like you're getting on to go 75 north, and a lady just ran the stop sign. She ran it so good <laughs> that she come through, I hit her, she went across the other two lanes and up the concrete embankment towards the interstate. And there were two babies in the car under like 12 and I heard them holler and when they got out of the car wild eyed I knew they were okay but had I been going faster I, I had the idea I could have died and I could have left my children orphans my wife a widow but I would have been that moment standing before the Lord and would I be confident not in my own righteousness of course you don't even have access to the Lord in your own righteousness but I would, be, would I be confident in what I brought with me? And right before I, I get into the, the message, you ever went to a birthday party and you were confident in your gift till someone else gave a gift? <laughs> a car. You shouldn't have given me a car. You know, you got a gift card. And you're like... <laughs> Heaven is going to be like that. While we've measured out nickels and minutes, others have given their very lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a sermon on works, and it is my goal not to make you feel condemned, but to make you feel convicted. That is the life that I'm living today worthy of the Lord's sacrifice for me? And am I ready? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 that the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And everyone that's ever died in Christ is going to get up out of the ground. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That trumpet. The Bible doesn't tell us if the world is going to hear it or not. If they do hear it, just like the people that heard God speaking to Paul, they won't know what it is. They thought it was thunder, but God was speaking uh, to Saul on the Damascus road. But that sound will be a piercing sound. It's going to be so piercing that it's going to go into decomposed molecules of people that have been dead for millennia. 
And it's going to speak to the soul of that person and that soul and that body is going to be reconstructed from, from what it was. And it's going to pierce backward in time and bring them up out of the ground and we which are alive and remain in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed from, from mortal to immortality. From carnality to truly spiritual. From flesh and blood to flesh and bone and spirit. It will be an unmistakable sound. You won't say, is that it? Faster than light can bounce off of your eye, you're going to be changed. Whether you're asleep or awake. Conscious or unconscious. There will be people in hospitals, in comas, that are going to leave. Immediately they come back. I've told you this before, but one of the, the profound experiences I had in my life that changed me as a believer, thoroughly changed me. I was at a hospital here in Macon with my pastor, Carrie Kaiser, and we were visiting Miss Grace Atkins, and she had been in a coma or unresponsive. I mean, nothing. No stimuli moved her. She just was like a vegetable laying in there. We would go and see her weeks and weeks and weeks past, maybe months if I remember correctly. And pastor would sing to her and I'd sing when he got in my key, I'd sing with him. And, and then when he got out of my key, I'm, you know, I'd do my, my humming. And I would read scripture to her. And uh, God is my witness. I would not lie to you and nor in his presence. She sat up in bed like someone shot her while we were reading the Word of God. Now, this is a lady that's been unresponsive. I mean, if you've ever known anyone in a coma or unresponsive, their mouth is literally stuck together with the phlegm. They can't swallow. Talk. If they haven't talked for months, there's no... I mean, it's, you have to come back around slowly. She was laying there, and my pastor was singing. We were reading Scripture, and she sat up, and she goes... Beautiful, beautiful, and I see the Son of God and laid down and was dead. As soon as it happened, I fell forward in that hospital room. I was fearful because I knew the Lord was there. See, when the Lord's in your presence, you ain't falling backward waiting on somebody to catch you. You're like, depart from me. I'm unclean. I'm undone. I was scared to look up, but he had come for her. And there was such an infusion that it transcended her limitations and her physical condition. And that body didn't have any other choice but to say, glory, glory. And that's how it's going to be when the trump goes off for you. A piercing, unmistakable, divine sound. It will be a recognizable sound. How do you know? Because if I know his voice, I'll know his shout. His sheep know his voice. We will know that that trump is for us because we are tuned to the Spirit. And the Spirit will play that note on that frequency. It is a powerful sound. A promised sound, an accurate sound, it will not make it fully to the ears of those that don't know him. And it is an irreversible sound. When that goes off, there's no going back to finish what we started. Listen to your pastor. There's no going back to do better or do more. 
There's no going back to temptation or trial or loss or confusion. That chapter stops. And it is my conviction that the lips are at the trumpet and the archangel is waiting for the cue. If I were to if my children's life were at stake, I would tell you that Christ is at the membrane of the earth about to push through. Are you ready to stand before the Son of Man and give an account for your years, your capabilities, your capacity, your opportunities? What you did with your health, what you did with your wealth, what you did with your home. To go in the rapture, and by the way, you know, people say, well, the word rapture is not in, in the Bible. Well, the word anniversary isn't, but you better remember your wife's anniversary. <laughs> the description of the rapture is all through the Bible. Paul said, beloved, I show you a mystery. To go in the rapture, you must hear the call. You must be of him. You can't, his sheep know his voice. That's what I want you to get. To go in the rapture, I have to be in the church. Of the church, I must know his voice to answer the voice. You must have his righteousness, not self-righteousness. You must be clothed by Christ. Your sins must be forgiven. Your nakedness must be clothed. And you are standing in his righteousness, comma, and his righteousness alone. If you in your mind add to it, let's, let's start with the preacher here, the guy on the platform. If I add to what Jesus has done for me, and in the secret part of my heart, I'm adding, well, I've preached for 30 years. You're disqualified. Well, I've given... Disqualified. Well, we've started these churches... Disqualified. Because the lamb that was slain for you has to be spotless and without blemish. And if John touches it, it is tainted. I not only have to have his righteousness, I have to be living it out. His righteousness and His alone. To go in the rapture, you must expect and desire His coming. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but unto them that look for Him. Unto them that look for Him. Well, I'm just kind of doing my own thing, and when He comes for me, I'm just going to be okay with going. Nope. You'd be surprised how many people live that way. I'm saved, so I'm going. Unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Well, I knelt down when I was seven. Unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Brother John, I have an honest question then. What about those that are saved in a third world country or they've never been in a church and they've never heard of the rapture of the church? How can they expect and anticipate something they've not heard of? Great question. Then it's not an issue of are they expecting the event, but are they anticipating, desiring, and longing to be with the person? And the event will be bonus. Because, how can you say that? Because God is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. It's not my believing that qualifies. It's the wanting to be with him shows the evidence of the change in the work of God and the work of the Spirit in my heart. I'm not asking you, do, do you believe he's coming? I'm asking you, do you live in expectation of the Lord coming for his church? And or 
Do you live in the preparation of if you died this very moment? Do you live in such a way that you are planning your best on not being ashamed as you stand before him in that day? Well, Brother John, I just, it's, it's grace. I just, this kind of talk makes me nervous. Oh, grace is the only thing that gets you to the table. If it weren't for grace, see, don't confuse the two judgments. The world will be judged for their sins, punishment. We will be judged for our works based on reward and loss of reward. So if it weren't for grace, we'd be at the other judgment seat. One's the great white throne and one is the Bema seat of Christ. And the Bible teaches us all through it that every one of us shall give an account of the deeds done in his body, whether good or bad. By your word, you'll be justified and by your word, you'll be condemned. Very quickly, of course you know that all unconfessed sin is unforgiven sin. All unconfessed sin is unforgiven sin. Don't expect grace to cover anything that you won't uncover. But as a pastor now these 106 years, I've noticed trends in the lives of those that I serve and in my own life. And I will tell you some of the more common sins that I believe will keep people from that blessed hope. Deception. Believing in a false gospel, a false Christ. Believing in a false gospel, false Christ. Yeah, they believe the gospel, but which gospel? They believe in Jesus, but which Jesus? Have you ever thought through that portion where Jesus said, many will come to me? Not some. Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty wonderful works? And to them I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. How many of your unbelieving friends and how many of you before you were born again ever spent time saying, Lord, Lord, am I doing enough great and mighty wonderful works for you? Never. It's church people. They build houses for habitat for humanity. They serve in the soup kitchens. They give to the rescue mission and United Way. They help at the schools and they do moral and good things thinking that that will save them. And it is by grace that you are saved through faith, not of works. Many will not make it because they'll realize they had a form of godliness and denied the saving power, the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in their heart through the shed blood of Jesus Christ for their sins. The deceived. Well, I've gone to church my whole life. I was baptized when I was two. I shook the preacher's hand. Might as well shake a donkey's tail. Does you about just as much good. Number two, rebellion. How do you expect to go in the rapture of the church when Jesus is coming for a faithful bride when the Bible says rebellion is like witchcraft? Any witches going? I'm not insulting you. I'm, listen, we're just brass tacks today. You can label this sermon brass tacks if you want. The, the real title is ready and unashamed. What is rebellion? Rebellion is this phrase in your heart and on your tongue. I know what the Lord says, but 
I know what the Bible says, but that's rebellion. Or I ain't going to do it. How is it you know what rebellion looks like in your child and don't know what it looks like in you? Oh, I hit something in, didn't I? Number three, love of this world and friendship with the world. The Bible says if you love this world, you are God's enemy. Modern day preachers tell you that's the goal to love the world and make sure that they know that you love them and love them and love wins and love them. But there's a part of this, God says, what part are you loving? Are you loving the soul of their person, of the person hoping to help them escape from this world? Or do you love the world? The world's system, the world's priorities, the world's pleasures, the world's allowances. The Bible says if you love the world, you are the enemy of God. If God is not coming to take witches out of the world, do you think he's coming to take his enemies? If we love the world, we're the enemy of God. Pastor John, this is heavy. This is strong. Yeah, but it's simple. We are supposed to be aliens here. Nomadic people sojourning through this life, not having permanent residency here, setting our affection on things above, not things here, making sure that there's no mistake where our heart is because where your heart is, your treasure is. Remember Lot's wife. Even after God delivered her, she didn't want to leave. And God's not going to make anyone leave that doesn't want to leave. I want to go home. I want to go home. I prayed last night and in my car this morning. I said, if you have to kill me, don't let me miss your coming. I, 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 this is not it for me. I don't want, and Lord, I am appealing to you based on your righteousness. Take anything and everyone from me that would keep me from your appearing and keep me from your acceptance in that day. Whether it's by death, don't get hung up on, well, what, when's the rapture supposed to come? And the, the point is when you stand before the Lord. Whether it's closing your eyes in this world or being changed, we are going to stand before him and you're not going to be with your wife. There's no group reward. Stand naked before him, giving an account. Another reason is unbridled lust, fleshly passions. The Bible speaks of ministers in the last day who will hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth, but they tell people, well, you can live like hell and you can be shacked up and sleep around and have three or four wives or mistresses and you can live in homosexuality or lesbianism. You can be unclean. You can be covetous. Just live how you want to live. And just like Esau, they'll sell their birthright for a bowl of soup. What does that mean? For a moment's pleasure, I'll give you everything that God had planned for me. By a moment's pleasure, 10 or 15 years of sexual freedom, financial prosperity. How many fools in the last 4,000, 6,000 years, how many fools? has spent their life climbing a corporate ladder 
only to get up in their 80s and realize that their ladder was leaned against the wrong building. Fool. Jesus said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then what's to happen with all your wealth? You should have been rich towards God. You should have lived with an eternal mindset, not a temporal one. I gave you a gift of eternity and an opportunity to prepare yourself to share in the glory of the king. And you put the gift aside and played with bubble wrap for 75 years. We need to wake up. It's the hour, the night is far spent and we're still not ready. We're still not right. Be ready. Because the Son of Man cometh in an hour that you think not. Number five of the seven. Busyness. Distracted, divided heart. Any of your spouses addicted to cell phones? It's okay, you can laugh here. Just, was, I've been serious. And I, told, I tell Kelly all the time, I lost, the worst day of my life is when I gave you a data phone. I lost her. I lost you. And does any of your spouses, don't point at them, look straight ahead so you won't get in trouble, just straight ahead. You're talking to them, bearing your soul about the deep things of your life. And they, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, 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 mm-hmm, yep, yep. They would say, I'm listening to you. I would say, on a scale of one to a hundred, how good are you listening to me? I don't think the Lord is coming for someone. I don't. That when the trump goes off, they say, yeah, yeah, I'll be with you in a second. I'm trying. I'm almost there. I really am. I said it in my face like a flint when I was early, and now that the kids are more articulate, how many times can you say daddy in 10 minutes? Daddy, 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 daddy. And you're trying to read, and I'm, you know, ADD to start with, and I, I'm like, you know, just put it down. But when they walk in the room, they say, daddy, yes, baby. And after about the 33rd time, yes, baby. Yes. But even if it's the last, exp- I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest with you. But even, it's the la- even if it's the last expression, and I'm frustrated, I still want to prefer you. And I, I am that sometimes with God because he won't let me get comfortable in this world and situated. And he prods me and pokes me to make sure that I'm ready. And even if I'm, yes, Lord, oh, yes, I still want to be his. The Bible speaks of the cares of this world choking the word of God out of you. And he said, don't, don't let at any time the busyness of this world overtake you. Now, it's not stopping. It's relentless. Anybody else? It's relentless from the phone calls. If you just answered the phone every time it rang, you wiped out and ready to go to bed at 730. That's before any of the trouble hits. So we've got, we've got to make sure we handle our business here, but we are not defined by our business here. I love it. Here's a perfect example. Say there's a man or woman in the church. And you say, hey, you know, good to meet you. What do you do? And they say, well, I'm a, I'm a Sunday school teacher at the church. I teach seven and eight-year-old little boys. Man, that's wonderful. Oh, and I happen to practice law. That's what I'm talking about. When you define yourself by what you do for God, not by what you do 
in the world. Well, now I feel bad because I've said I'm a plumber. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that your perspective is, I got a buddy of mine that does grounds, uh, cut grass for years and years and years, just like one of the gentlemen that does it here at the church. I'll never tell you who it is. He does it for free, saves us twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a year. One of his ways is while I'm out doing my yards, I just do Jesus yards. That's what he calls them. So what's that? He goes, I just, I know the neighborhoods where the widows are and the stuff. And I just go out and cut and they come to the door and they wave at me. And on the surface, people say, oh, you're a nice guy. I said, no, it's for Jesus. It's, it's a Jesus yard. It's just to show him that I'm thinking about him during my commerce. And I'm not defined by how straight the edge is on the yard. I'm defined by I'm doing all things as unto you. What else gives a mama dignity with six kids that Jesus wouldn't watch? <laughs> Two of them levitating. Come down right now. I mean, come down. Head spinning around. Is it taking care of them or taking care of them as unto the Lord? You see? I better get off that. I've got too close. All right. Very quickly. Very quickly. This is, if not a big one, the big one. If you were to ask me, Pastor John, what do you think the primary thing? If it's not primary, it's the most uh, surprising thing that would make people miss the coming of the Lord is unforgiveness. I'm telling you straight this morning. God's word says... If you will forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive every person from your heart, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now, how do unforgiven people make it into heaven? You tell me. Once we're done talking about grace and salvation and the work of Jesus Christ, got it. But if, if I'm unforgiven, how do I make it into heaven? Forgiveness that a person gives to someone that doesn't deserve it is the evidence that they have it to start with. So you're going to let them steal 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and your reward? And the being caught together with the saints? Mm -mm. I had someone not too long ago was talking to me about uh, someone that did very wrong by me and my family. And they said, how did, how did you forgive him? How did you, like, like I had some kind of character or goodness. I said, oh, no, no, you thought I forgave them out of goodness. Oh, no, 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 I fear the Lord. And they looked at me and said, I didn't forgive him because I'm a nice guy. I wanted to whip him. No, no, no. But I know the terror of the Lord and the parable he said of the man that was forgiven much and then brought the other guy into account for the things that he was owed and then the king called for that first servant and he brought him before me he said you wicked man I forgave you of all that debt and you held this man accountable for his little debt he commanded that he be thrown into the inner jail his family sold and he would be released to the torturers and then he said, and so shall my heavenly father do to you if you do not forgive every person from your heart. How is that person making heaven? 
how can I be locked in a dungeon, released to demonic torturers, and have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven? Well, what are you saying? I'm saying you got to deal with it quickly. You got to root it out completely and consistently and repetitively so that I might be ready. I pray for them that the Lord would bless them and take care of them. That guy, I pray for him that his life would be good. And I pray for him not because I'm good, but because I want to go home. And I want to be a man of grace. So when it comes time to judge me, all God knows about me is grace. John's a person of grace. I give him grace. He gives them grace. I'm under a grace umbrella because I'm not going any other way. Number two, very quickly. The Bema seat of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 through 11. We labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Jesus. And that means more acceptable to him. See, we're accepted to God, uh, accepted by God through Christ. But acceptable to Jesus has more to do with our, our service and our, our, our love for him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Listen, according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. At this judgment seat, Christ will be rewarding our works, not punishing our sins. And this work will be tried by the holiness of God, the truth. If our musician would come, please. 1 Corinthians 3, let me just read this to you. After the foundation of Christ is laid, is Jesus Christ. If any of you build on that foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, your work will be manifested in the day because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work you've done. If your work, if the, one, the work you've done built on the foundation survives, you will receive a reward. If it's burned up, you will suffer loss, though you yourself will be saved, but only as by fire. Which that means when we come before the Lord, Jesus has already suffered our punishment. We're not coming to be punished for our sins. We're coming to receive reward for the deeds done in our body. The fire of God's Holiness, his, his eyes were a flame of fire, which means he sees through everything. He knows not only what we do, but why we do it. He, knew, he knows when we do it. And many people, all their works are going to be burned up because they did it maybe to be seen by men. Now, let me just tell you, there's no works that are perfectly pure. I think the righteous judge of the earth will judge rightly. There's a taint of my fallenness in anything I do for the Lord. But he knows motive. And these people, these Christians at the judgment seat of Christ will be like people running out of a burning building. They're saved, but they lost everything. There will be Christians in heaven that believe the right things that lived the right way with little or nothing to give Jesus Christ. That's sobering, isn't it? Every work will be rewarded or rejected. Fully rewarded or absolutely rejected. It's not going halfway burn up a work. Well, that one's halfway burn up. 
But every cup of cold water is going to get a reward. Every kind word, every lesson taught, every prayer prayed, every act of kindness, every time you tabled well, your home was open, you, you helped with children, every time you did anything not good, but for his name and for his sake, you'll receive a reward. And with any other motive, it's to be rejected. That's why in our church, we don't put plaques up all around the walls when you give something or do something. We have people that have supported this church in ways that you would not believe. We've had teachers in this church that have taught class for 20 years. And as much as you want to, we don't have life. You will be known with a victor's crown. You will be known as a martyr. You will be known as faithful. And when we carry that distinction, we are not going to have notoriety based on our individuality. But on the collective understanding that God approved us. Would you just bow your heads with me for a few moments this morning? If you're in this room and the trump went off and you know you wouldn't go because you're just not a Christian. Well, you're in good company because everybody in this room wasn't a Christian at one time. And there's nothing you can do to help yourself. Nothing. Except ask God to have mercy on you and to forgive you. And if you say, Pastor John, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I'm helpless and hopeless without God. Do you think he'd save me today? Absolutely. If you will call on him exclusively and sincerely. If that's you, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or anything. Say, God, would you be merciful to me, a sinner? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, those of you that are sitting here, this is my challenge to you as a pastor. Because what good is it if I'm your pastor and the suggestions are never acted on? And if they were foolish suggestions and in my flesh, I'll answer for them. Go home and put it on paper. All you need is one sheet. What are the big changes that I got to make to make sure that not only I'm ready, but that I'll be unashamed? And don't compare it with anyone else. What do I need to do? Is it confess, repent? Break something off, start something up, finish something that was started, let something go. Did I retire when I should have retreaded? God forgive me. If I got air, I want to keep at it, Lord. Ready and unashamed. My prayer for you is that you'll be ready and unashamed. Ready and unashamed would you stand with us this morning wait
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this sobering word today. God, we make it our prayer humbly before you. God, let our hearts be torn today by the word. God, that we would rent our garments now, Lord, not in the day to come, but today, God, that today we would make known in our hearts and our minds, God, that which you set before us. So we humbly repent, God, today. God, let our hearts and our affections be captured again. God, let us come as the woman with an alabaster bottle and and once again humble ourselves before you and break our perfume at your feet. God, let us not walk away unchanged, but let us walk away, God, in a new sense of vigor and a new sense of awareness that you are near the door. God, if there be anything we need to to deal with, let this week, God, be a revolutionary week in our lives. God, let it be a house cleaning. And God, this week, as you would just gently remind us and gently lead us through, God, what it means to be ready, to be in our wedding dress, to be prepared. And we commit our hearts to you this week, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you, church. It's great to see you. Don't forget, um, as you exit the door, our Sunday school teachers and, and, and uh, leaders want to meet you. And if you're a teenager or if you're feeling young today and you like pizza, apparently there's pizza in the back. So don't forget. I'll see you there. <laughs>